America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's healthcare advocate show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer, Mr. Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at America's Healthcare Advocate. Also, again, I want to thank all of you. The podcasts are... (laughs) They're doing really well. We had 88,189 of you in the last metric we did over a 28-day period. Download and listen to one of our podcasts. Podcasts are on Pocket Cast, Spreaker, Spotify, Google, RSS Feed Podcast, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Listen on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, Pandora, Amazon Music, and we are on YouTube. And that's all because of you out there that are listening to this broadcast on the podcast platforms, as well as all of you listening on air to the shows as they air across the country. But again, I want to thank you. And by the way, you've noticed all these shows are videoed now. So the man behind the camera is Mr. David Thiessen. He is the genius that's put all of this together. And he's also the man that posts all of these um, on the podcast platforms and on YouTube. So uh, Dave's doing a great job and he's part of the team that's really made a big difference during what we're doing. If you are chronologically challenged um, and you are looking for Medicare aging in, you want to get a hold of the lovely Joyce Thompson or Carol Lee Steele at RPS Benefits by Design, 877-385-2224. That is the phone number and you can reach them there anytime, anywhere in the country. They are happy to help you. Also, if you are... You know, you may qualify for one of these special needs programs. If you've got a chronic illness, um, if you're on Medicaid, um, there are conditions that will allow you to qualify for one of these special needs programs. And they are amazing programs under Medicare. They are benefits rich. United Healthcare has a suite of them. Aetna has a suite of them. Um, and they are remarkable. If you're interested in finding out, let's say you're a type 1 diabetic, maybe you're on Medicaid, whatever the case may be, or you're in a nursing home facility, you're a caregiver, um, you may qualify for one of these. Like I said, the benefits are remarkable. Call Carol Lee and have a conversation with you. They'll be happy to help you. Also, if you're an employer and you're looking for health insurance, you're having trouble, maybe what you've got is too expensive or you're not happy with the people that are handling it. Again, those folks at RPS Benefits by Design, Maria Allers does a great job. Customer service is the number one issue at RPS Benefits by Design. They're going to answer the phone, not going to get an answering service or a bunch of prompts. You're going to talk to a real human being that's going to help you if you're having a problem. 913-385-2224. Anywhere in the country, they are happy to help you in any way that they can. All right. Today is one of our famous or infamous, depending on how you look at it, multi-topic, or as Darren Wilhite, our producer, named them, cornucopia shows. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, we've got a host of topics, and the way I do these is to bring things to you that relate to health that you're probably not aware of or haven't seen seen in the media anywhere in your local newspaper, trying to give you information that can be helpful. You know, I had a lady reach out to me last week. She had a 91-year-old mother um, that was starting to experience dementia. She didn't think it was Alzheimer's, but dementia. And she wanted to tell, please tell me that show you did. And the show was with Dr. David Oakley. Um, and I, I gave her that information, sent her a link to the show, but I also connected her with some people that could help her. So that's why we do these. And if I can ever help you, the website is americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you send me an email, I'll be happy to help you. All right, topics today, vitamin D. All right, so everybody was talking about vitamin D during COVID and then it's kind of gone off the chart. Well, if you're a seasoned citizen, you know, one of us that's chronologically challenged, you probably need to be taking vitamin D and doses you probably 
probably don't even understand. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how much alcohol you can have in a weekly basis. Yes, how many of those martinis are you allowed to have in a one-week basis? We'll chat about that. Then we're going to talk about marriage. This is going to be fascinating. This is an in-depth study done by Harvard that equates marriage to health. Yeah, long-term health and marriage. How are they connected? We're going to talk about that study from Harvard. We're also going to talk about weed, marijuana, um, and teenagers. What's happening to teenagers that are partaking uh, in marijuana and weed? If you're a parent or grandparent, you want to listen to this because it's pretty serious. And last but not least, if we have time, we will talk about the ACA exchanges, what's going on with Obamacare. So let's get started. And the first thing we're going to talk about today um, is the benefits, or the benefits, if you will, of vitamin D. So um, if you're 51 to 70, you should be taking 600 units of vitamin D daily. That's 600 units, okay? It lowers the risk of dementia. This is kind of interesting, and uh, I'm sure it probably surprises a few people. A new study examining the vitamin D supplementation habits of 12,388 participants in a National Alzheimer's Coordinating Center uh, linked data to the supplementation of significantly higher doses of vitamin D to reduce dementia. Uh, they found that by taking vitamin D, you were among 3,000 participants, those who developed dementia over decades-long studies, 75% had no vitamin D in their system. So the vitamin D is is able to either stop, slow down, or impede the, the, the uh, your body's getting Alzheimer's or dementia, whatever the case may be. So it's important that that's one of the top benefits of vitamin D. Here's another one that you'll find interesting. Vitamin D helps prevent cancer. Now that's probably a little surprising to a lot of people that you link vitamin D to cancer because you think about other things when you think about lead, like turmeric and other kinds of supplements that are supposed to be directly related to cancer. But listen to this. When it comes to advanced cancer, vitamin D supplementation can extend the life, according to a 2020 daily uh, study published in the Journal of American Medical Association in a clinical trial of 25,871 people. So, you know, both of these, every time I'm giving you one of these pieces of information, it comes out of a study. That's pretty significant. 25,871 people. The vitamin D Council recommends that women with breast cancer take 5,000 to 15,000 per day of vitamin D and check levels to ensure they stay above 70 milligrams uh, for prevention level recommend 60 milligrams. Several studies show the benefit associated with reducing breast cancer. Because of a family history of breast cancer, um, there is also an adamant, there's also an element about keeping vitamin D high, uh, depending again on vitamin D and lowering breast cancer risk uh, up to 83%. That, that, do you believe that? Lowering breast cancer uh, up to uh, 83% for 30% of the American Association Cancer Research Annual Meeting of the Population. So that's important to understand. So that's another benefit of vitamin D um, is cancer. And here's one that really kind of surprised me. Vitamin D reduces fractures. This is interesting. This is a correlation I never understood. So uh, a study showed that 72% reduction in falls among those with higher levels of vitamin D. Uh, it went on to say that vitamin D in those studies, bone mineral metabolism, reviewed 28 different studies on 61,744 cases and 9,767 hip fractures and concluded that the serum of vitamin D levels in the bone structure in, in elderly people 
was directly associated uh, to a high risk of fractures if they didn't take vitamin D. So the vitamin D thing is a big deal for those of us that are seasoned citizens. Also, as you can see, there are a lot of other benefits with regard to vitamin D and why we should be taking it. Like I said, it kind of fell off the radar um, after COVID. There was a big rush to take it during COVID because you couldn't get outside a lot of times. You're not getting it from sunshine and all the rest of it. But the vitamin D is a big deal. And if you're not taking it, you should be. All right. We're coming up on the break. When we come back from the break, we're going to continue our cornucopia show and move on to our next set of topics. And that's going to be the, the benefits <laughs> or non-benefits of alcohol and just how much can you drink in a week. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back after the break. The Golden Rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. I'm Steve Keeker, and this is one of the founding principles of my firm, Senior Care Consulting. Since 2002, our value statement has included honor our mother and father, respect our elders, care for those in need, and treat your family as our own. We've been honored to help hundreds of families make one of the most difficult decisions they could ever make, serving them in their greatest time of need. If you're looking for someone who can provide you experienced and objective guidance when searching for a senior care community, reach out today and discover the services of Senior Care Consulting at 913-945-2800, 913-945-2800. Know your options and choose with care at SeniorCareConsulting.com. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA on the HIA radio network. You can learn more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. You've got a question or comment like the lady whose 91-year-old mother had some issues we helped with, feel free to send me an email. I'm happy to help you. Also, all the podcast platforms you know, the shows are all posted on podcast platforms. There are 12 of them, 13 of them now. Odyssey is the newest one. I forgot to mention that. Um, and we are also on YouTube. So you want to tell somebody about this show, maybe the topic on vitamin D or some of the other things that we're talking about in this segment, feel free to uh, let them know they can go listen to the podcast. Also, if you are looking again for help, with Medicare, health insurance of any kind, the lovely Carol Lee Steele or Joyce Thompson, um, 913-385-2224, anywhere in the country. All right, next topic up. This one is kind of interesting for all of you folks that like to imbibe those adult beverages. Okay, this, this is out of the Wall Street Journal. A study debunks claims of alcohol's benefits. All right. So now we have a study. Remember the studies that said you drink so many glasses of wine or alcohol uh, that it's going to help you. So now we have a new study. First, the good news. A nip of alcohol here and there probably won't kill you, but it won't help you live longer. Okay, that's interesting to know. Some research is suggesting that drinking alcohol improves life expectancy. Other studies have demonstrated poor health outcomes uh, for any level of drinking. Now, keep in mind, people, you know, we've, we've had studies on coffee that said coffee is, you know, is, is, is going to have effects on 
you know, your life expectancy, et cetera. And then one comes out two months ago that says drinking coffee is really good for you. So these studies tend to go back and forth. So I find them somewhat interesting. So, so now they're saying here people who never drank or drank 45 grams of alcohol or more a day, uh, about as much as three glasses of wine, increase their risk of dying sooner by as much as a third among women. Anything more than 25 grams of alcohol a day uh, increase their risk of dying sooner among men as well. Alcohol is linked to more than 200 diseases. If you're, you should be bored by the time you finish naming all of them, they say in the article here, because there are that many of them. The Center for Addiction and Medical Health uh, wasn't involved in this study, but they believe that this is correct. Now, this is interesting, okay? So here's the thing. Okay, I mean, they go on to say after all of that, that here's what you can drink. The findings suggest that the average man can drink up to about three drinks a day. Okay, so the study says it's not going to increase your lifetime, but it doesn't say it's going to decrease it either if you drink up to three drinks a day. Okay, uh, as long as, uh, and you'll live as long as the non-drinkers. So there you have it, okay? Now, in women, you might want to stop at about two drinks, um, the research suggested. So at the end of the day, you can have three drinks a day. So, you know, I have, what, maybe two, maybe three martinis a, a week, you know, when I'm really feeling like I want to have a martini, and I normally have a glass of wine with dinner. But if you keep it, it's like anything else, people. If it's done in moderation, you're, you're probably going to be okay. It's if you get, you know, if it's done in excess, then that's a different issue. And unfortunately, in this country, um, we have a tendency to do things in excess from time to time. And that's not always um, uh, in our best benefit. So now we have, so now we know, okay, that it isn't going to extend your life. But guys, three, three glasses of wine a day or three drinks a day, okay, if, you're, if that's what you're doing, women should stop at two, uh, no more than that, and you'll be fine. Obviously, if you drink less than that, um, you're going to be just fine. So that, that's an interesting interesting piece of information um and i can't wait for the next day that comes out and says that if you drink three a day you'll live 15 percent longer than those that don't <laughs> there'll probably be one okay now we're going to turn to the people's republic of california um and don't, please don't send me emails from san luis obispo or 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 san bernardino i mean i i i have to i just have to use that name from time to time so Notable and quotable. This is out of the Wall Street Journal. Sacramento, California. Some California lawmakers want to ban all tobacco sales in the nation's most popular state, filing legislation to make it illegal to sell cigarettes and other products to anyone after January 7th. Now, they want to backdate this. I don't understand this to 2007, which makes no sense. I don't even know how you could possibly do that. No, I'm sorry. That's wrong to anyone born after 2007. So if you're born after 2007, they cannot sell you cigarettes. If signed in law, it would mean that by 2073, people wanting to buy cigarettes should, would have to show ID and prove they are at least 67 years old. <laughs> Do you see how absurd this is? You're going to have to, you're going to get carded to show you're 67 years old. There are going to be a lot of senior citizens making a lot of money buying cigarettes for people that can't buy them. I'm just telling you right now. Can you imagine the little lady going into the store and buying two cartons of camels and, and then coming out and she's got five kids waiting or five young people waiting to buy packages of cigarettes from her and she's selling them at $10 a package? I mean, this is going to create a black market that'll blow your mind. California never ceases to amaze me with 
with the level of stupidity and lack of thought that goes into some of the things they're doing. And this is one of them. You're immediately going to create a black market. Look at New York if you want to understand what happens when you go crazy with cigarettes. So the taxes on cigarettes in New York are out of out of they're ridiculously high. So what happens? This has been going on for years. Truckloads of cigarettes are taken into the state that do not have the state tax stamp on them, and they're sold on the black market because they're sold for significant less. Can you imagine what's going to happen in California when you have to be 67 years old to buy cigarettes? You know, some things just never change. I mean, you can't cure stupid people. That's all I can say. Okay. Um, You know, that's California. And you can go buy fentanyl on the street, but you're not going to be able to buy cigarettes unless you're 67 years old. We'll see if this actually um, if this actually happens. Uh, this is Assemblyman Damon Conley, a Democrat from San Rafael. He is the author of the bill, and um, he is the one that wants to put this in play. Um, and they haven't announced what the penalties and the fines will be, but uh, those will be coming along shortly. So this will be a nightmare to enforce, and uh, we'll see. We'll see if this is going to happen. So that that's a little bit about what's going on in California. All right, so in the next segment of the show, we're going to get into something that I think you're going to find very interesting. This is a study. Uh, that was done by Harvard, um, and I'm going to, you know, prep this a little bit right now and kind of give you a little uh, bit of information. The title of the article is "For for Long Term Health and Happiness, Marriage Still Matters." You ought to find this really interesting. I think you're going to find it very interesting as we get into this and talk about this. Uh, this flies in the face of a lot of what we uh, see in our society today. Um, and it was a fascinating article. This was in the review section, which comes out typically on a Saturday in the Wall Street Journal. And it was quite a study. And when we go through this in the next segment, I'm going to go through all the different benefits of being married and what a difference it makes. And I think you're going to be shocked when you hear um, what this study, uh, which was done on a large number of nurses, I'll give you the numbers when we do the segment, but I think you'll be shocked to find out that marriage actually has some extremely positive effects on our lives and those people that have been married. i got to ask you a question. Darren, how long have you been married? 36 years. And All right, Dave, how long have you been married? I've been married 30 years. Okay, and I've been married 38 years, so I take, I'm take i the lead on the sled here. But you can see you got 30, 36, and 30 years. Okay, all of us. Um, uh, and this, this will be interesting. It'll be interesting for these guys to hear this as well. So we'll be right back after the break. We're going to talk about the long-term health and happiness of marriage, what, what still matters. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We've got more right after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. My producer, Mr. Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. In this segment, we're going to talk about long-term health and happiness for marriage, why it still matters. This is a very interesting study. Uh, It was done by um, two Harvard doctors. Dr. Case is the Associate Director for Research at Harvard University's Human Flourishing Program, and Dr. Chen is his research assistant. They're the two that uh, conducted this study. It's quite fascinating, actually. All right, so we're going to start off, okay? When European travelers first encountered the Wallapari Australian outback folks, and the Kalapaya in the Amazon in the 19th century, one thing would have been familiar to them. 
uh, in, in, related to life in the, cult, in, in the culture in the West. And that was uh, the institution of marriage. Marriage was a very big part of those societies, even though those societies had no exposure to the Western world, or as we, you know, these anthropologists found that marriage was like the bedrock of those societies. So we go on, okay? Uh, Marriage uh, represents the keystone institution for most, if not all, societies and may be the most primal of human institutions. This is interesting. Perhaps marriage is now become merely an option or a capstone rather than the keystone of what we believe here in Western culture today. Uh, and so what we're talking about here is how there's been this huge shift um, in our culture here in the United States and Europe, most particularly, okay, with not getting married or waiting to get married much later. And a lot of folks just simply aren't, uh, aren't getting married. They're living together, they're cohabitating, but they're not married. It's not the same thing. And that's what this study is going to show. In a new study in the Journal of Global Epidemiology, that's where this was published, okay, we examined 11,830 American nurses, all women who were initially never married and compared those to those who got married between 1989 and 1983, those who remain unmarried. We assessed how their lives turned out on a wide range of important outcomes, including psychological well-being, health, longevity, over about a 25-year period. So this is a comprehensive study done over 25 years. Our findings were striking. This is where it gets really interesting. The women who got married in the initial time frame, including those who subsequently got divorced, had a 35% lower risk of death for any reason over the follow-up period than those who did not marry during that same period. Now listen to that for a minute. Over 25-year period, I'm going to repeat this again. Their findings showed that women who got married in the initial time frame, that was 89 to 93, okay, um, that time frame, including those who subsequently divorced, had a 35% lower risk of death than for any reason over the follow-up period than those who did not get married during that period. Compared with those who didn't get married, women also had a lower risk of cardiovascular disease, less depression, loneliness, and were happier and more optimistic and had greater, a greater sense of purpose and hope. That's quite a study. That's quite a bit of information. There was also a somewhat robust evidence that women who divorced had a 19% higher risk of death for any reason over the 25-year period that followed than those who stayed married, given the two factors that influence health, well-being, genes, and exercise, environmental, social networks, etc. The fact that marriage could reduce the 25-year mortality rate by more than a third and that divorce could possibly increase that rate by nearly a fifth indicates how important it remains remains for modern life. What I said in the opening, and the reason why this really got my attention, you know, as I just did here in the studio a minute ago, you know, David's been married 30 years, Darren's been married 36, I've been married 38, okay? Um, I always say that, you know, the day that I got married was the best day of my life, and I mean that. I'm very fortunate. Uh, My wife's a wonderful person. I'm very fortunate to have her in my life, but she's made a huge difference for me. And this study was done on women, but I'm just talking as a man, Okay, for me, um, the, marriage is, you know, life is not, a, you know, a, a straight line. There are ups and there are downs. And 
my wife has been with me through all of it. Okay, we've built companies, we've done things, we've had, you know, lots of, you know, issues in our lives with business and kids and like everybody else. But the fact that we're together and we did it together made a big difference. What's fascinating about this study is that they literally did a scientific study that shows all of that. So we'll go on here. The study's focus on women offers important insights containing the feminist critiques on marriage as an instrument of patriarchal domination. In other words, this, this narrative that, you know, the marriage allows men to dominate the women. Okay, that, that's, uh, and there are, I know a lot of guys that are married where I would say that may be the opposite of that, but nonetheless, let's just, let's go on with this. In, in particular, the cases they often aren't marriage with support and affection. It offers the most crucial constant in a flourishing life for many women. What did I just say about myself? Okay, the, the most crucial component, uh, affection and companionship is, is a critical component in the quality of your life. This goes on, okay? The study found, typically found that unmarried cohabitating couples report less happiness in relationship stability than do married couples. In the view of marriage's profound effects on our sample's health and well-being, it is unsettling to consider the rapid displacement in American life. In 2021, for instance, the annual marriage rate reached an all-time low of 24 marriages per 1,000. 24 marriages per 1,000. That, that, that's where we're at now. Down from 76.5 in 1965, and the trend is driven down by rapid increases in cohabitation and even steeper rises in individuals living alone. Now, I'm going to stop with that piece for just a second. Uh, individuals living alone. I'm going to tell you that social media has got a lot to do with this. They don't say that in here, but I want, but you know, if you hear these stories about these young men who don't date, um, uh, who who are, are socially inept because they spend all their time gaming on social media, etc. Um, and, and this 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 goes back and forth. Not just men; it happens with women too. But I think that social media a lot of times today uh, prevents the the what used to be the case. Darren, we were talking off uh, off camera earlier. Darren married his high school sweetheart. They're still together. Okay. Well, they weren't doing Snapchat. <laughs> Okay, um, and they weren't doing Twitter and all the rest of it. I mean, it's a different world today. I get that, but I'm not so sure that all of that doesn't contribute to what we're seeing and the deterioration of marriage in this country. So, too, the U.S. leads the world in the percentage of children growing up in single-parent homes, 23% in 2019 compared to an example of 12% in Germany. All of these trends are concentrated among poor Americans and those that are people of color who have the most to gain from the safety net of marriage. Okay, so now we come to another piece in this, okay? You know, how many, how many of these kids do we see who have a single-parent home? How many of these kids do you see that are in the news, that are in jail or, or committing crimes, doing things that, that, are, that are out of the social norm, who don't have, a, who have just a single parent at home? That's, be, that, that's a huge problem in our society today. And it's an even bigger problem as you go down to the level of people that are in the lower social economic structures in terms of income, race and all the rest of it. So th this is interesting how this study ties all of that back in. Okay. In other words, the folks they're saying here that 
that need this benefit are those in the lower social economic structures because it offers them stability, stability they often don't have, which is why you see these kids with low graduation rates out of high school, why you see these kids getting in trouble because they are in single parent homes where they don't have a mother and father there to guide them. So again, you know, marriage comes back to A, long-term health and happiness for you if you're married, okay, B, what does it mean to your children, okay, uh, and C, what does it mean as you age on in life? If you are you know, cohabitating, um, you're not married, whatever the case may be. I thought this study was fascinating. Uh, it was done, as I said, by uh, Dr. Case, an associate director of research at Harvard University of Flourishing Program, and Dr. Chin, who is his research assistant. I guess marriage isn't as outdated as a lot of people want us to think it is. All right, we'll be right back after the break and wrap it up. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. The website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got questions, send me an email. All right. This is interesting. This last thing, we're going to wrap it up with legal weed. Weed is now available since 2012 in a whole series of states. I think it's 21 states or 26 states across the country. You can buy weed recreationally. And of course, then there are the other states where you can buy it medically. Missouri used to be a state where you could only buy it medically, but you could get a card. There were doctors who specialized in giving people cards to get marijuana. So this is for adults. Obviously, uh, you have to be 21 in all the states, basically, to buy marijuana. Um, The problem is that we now have a proliferation of teenagers taking weed. And you've heard the story about gateway drug and all the rest of it. Well, we're going to talk about some of the immediate effects on teenagers. This was an article again in the Wall Street Journal. So it's 21 states have legalized recreational marijuana since 2012. Teen mental health problems have been on the rise ever since in that same period of time. JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Psychiatry, observed that cannabis consumption uh, in adolescence is associated with increased risk of developing major depression in youth and adulthood, suicidal issues as well, especially suicide ideation. I'm assuming that means people that are examining or looking at suicide uh, and, and thinking about ending their lives. A, a 2021 study by the National Institute of Health found that an extended risk of suicide is greater for women than for men. Now, think about that for a minute, especially in the teenage area. These girls that are on TikTok, these girls that are on Instagram and and Facebook and all these different places where there's all of this back and forth going on, these girls putting nude pictures of themselves up there and being criticized by their peers, well, all of that kind of comes out of what's going on on social media, but it gets worse um, if they are using marijuana, okay? And, you know, they're getting marijuana because their parents have it. Okay, or a friend of theirs has it, and this is what's going on. So the idea that marijuana isn't addictive is out of date. Weed was considered to be non-addictive in the 1960s because the levels of psychoactive chemical THC were minimal, but marijuana has steadily increased in potency, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimate that 3 in 10 users have cannabis use disorder. 3 in 10. These are the adults now. 
Three in 10 users have cannabis use disorder because the levels of THC, the stuff's being grown in grows now, the professional growers, okay? And the more they raise the level of THC, the better the product is, the higher the price is, the more people want it. So it's like any other addiction. The more of it you do, the more you want. That directly relates to what's going on uh, with this issue of, of problems with teen and mental, and it's a mental health crisis because these kids are not equipped to handle this stuff and they're getting it okay marijuana directly affects key parts of, de- of development for adolescent brain including those involved in memory learning attention deficit do- disorder coordination emotions and reasoning in time okay so now i'm just going to throw something out there if, if you've got a child or a grandchild that you're seeing having all these problems you might want to think about are they somehow getting their hands on marijuana or marijuana supplements. Are they getting the oil? Are they getting gummies? Or, or, you know, are they smoking weed? Whatever the case may be. Um, If they're experiencing these issues where they're having learning disorders, attention deficit disorders, you know, the first thing people want to do when they see ADHD is start giving them Adderall or one of the other medications. Maybe you might want to take a look and see there might be something else going on there you're not aware of. Every state has permits for recreational marijuana that restricts it uh, to 21 or older, but minors still have access to the drug. The American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry reports that in 2019, drug among teens had reached the highest rate in 30 years. This is a real problem, people. This is not something that's um, you know in passing or going away anytime soon. This is a real problem. Um, and you know, I've got grandchildren. I've got six grandchildren. Okay, obviously most of them are too young to even be knowing about this. But I got a grandson going to high school. Okay, <clears throat> and his mother and father keep a very close eye on them. But I'm going to tell you something. Um, this is a significant issue, um, and you know. So the article goes on to say, we need to educate them on the dangers and there needs to be open communication, emotional availability. Passivity is the enemy of mental health. If you suspect your child using marijuana or other drugs, take action and address it head on. Your fear and vigilance may be the difference between the child who makes it through adolescence and those who don't. That's pretty strong stuff. Okay. And, you know, so this is a a significant issue. So if you take this passive approach to this, if you're the parent or the grandparent, you find out this is going on, that's the worst thing you can do. What they're saying here very simply is that all these different medical journals that, you know, psychiatry and mental health for children, all the rest of them are saying the same thing. Deal with the issue head on. Confront it, okay? Have a conversation with the child. Explain why this is bad. Get get the studies. Go look for the studies. They're out there. Let them read it themselves, okay? And if necessary, get them into a counselor and have the counselor explain to them that the long-term effects of this on your life and the quality of your life are significant. And if you've got a child that is having severe depression, any kind of issue like this, you might want to take a serious look at this because this is how we wind up with teen suicides. And it's a very, very serious issue. That's one of the reasons why I do these kinds of shows and get into these kinds of issues because they are significant. Like I said, I've got six grandchildren, okay? And these kinds of things, I think about these things when I read these kind of articles and get into this. And that's the purpose of what we're doing here on this broadcast uh, is bringing this kind of information to you. So I hope you've enjoyed the show today. You know, as I said, The purpose of these uh, is to do these shows and bring information to you that's different than what you see typically in mainstream media. (laughs) 
That one about marriage probably surprised a lot of you out there, okay? And I'm sure there are a lot of younger folks that uh, may not even buy that, okay? But that article is available, okay? It was in the Wall Street Journal. I'm sure you can find it in the review section in March. Um, and it's a fascinating article. Remember, that study was done by Harvard. That's not exactly a, a right-thinking think tank, if you will, Okay, so I think I thought that was pretty interesting. Again, we try to bring you interesting information that is both interesting and entertaining, but it's also informative, and that's what we do here. Your feedback, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got questions, um, please let me know. Send me an email. Uh, you can also follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places if there are questions or things I can help you with. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'll leave with this thought from Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. Mm-hmm.